Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Elm Park Rolls podcast, sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food. A relatively good Sunday morning as a Reading fan, as we come back from behind for the second game in a row to pick up some points and to go through yesterday's action with me, I've been joined by Matt Williamson. Hello, mate. Nice of, uh, to talk through a non-loss with you as host. This this is your first in a while, isn't it? It is the first in a while, and I'm privileged to also be joined by Matt Joy to discuss this momentous occasion. And it's nice to be back with you too, and uh, yeah, nice to be back on not a particularly sour note. Relatively, relatively pleased this morning. Can't complain too much of a point, can we? But we'll we'll come on to that in a little bit. And we'll go, we'll skip past the points deduction news. We've kind of discussed it. If you haven't gone and listened to our preview podcast from this week, we did have a kind of 25 minute discussion about it. And I'd recommend just popping back and listening to that and uh, getting some reaction about it. Uh, But we'll move on. We'll just discuss yesterday's game. Matt, the team first 11, Danny Drinkwater came back in for Deli Bashiri, but the bigger news, Andy Carroll didn't start yesterday and was on the bench. I think most people expected that, but were you pleased to see Danny Drinkwater come back in at the very least? You know, we both called Matt, right? So oh, that's going to be a very confusing I've way just realised of... this as well, but yeah. I'll just have to hope that one of you kind of like reacts. In well, the right I'll, way. I'll take that one then. Um, you, but, I'll uh, go with, I'll tell you what, for the next 20 minutes or so, just go with MJ. I'll, I'll, I'll go, go with MJ. MJ. Yeah, that on. works. Probably should have discussed this pre-podcast, but you know, it's it's all, uh, you know, <laughs> un, unedited, unfiltered. Isn't that what this is called? Anyway, yeah. Uh, so Andy Carroll, uh, starting on the bench, uh, I thought that it was... It, yeah, as you say, expected. I think there was a few hopeful people on Twitter after Paunovic came out and said, um, what, what, like, it, we put 45 minutes of load through him, but he also caveated that with the fact it was his first day and he probably had some, you know, adrenaline and whatnot. Um, I was a bit surprised that we kept um, the formation from the second half of Birmingham like I was I was hopeful that we'd keep the back four but given that we were up against the Steve Cooper team I thought we might switch to the back three um but Holmes on the right did really well and and Yeardom at right wing is probably our best option there at the minute um yeah Delhi Bashiru I think will be a little bit unfortunate uh or will feel a little bit unfortunate to miss out because I don't think he's really done too much wrong since putting on a Reading shirt but 
it's nice to be able to have a decision to make for Paunovic rather than just having to pick the 11 that are fit. Yeah, first time we've actually had more than more than one kind of professional substitute on the bench who isn't under the age as is over the age of uh, 18, right? Which is a nice nice thing to see this season. Um unfortunately MJ we did start badly again. Uh very reminiscent to that game that Matt mentioned at Birmingham and we were 1-0 down after 3 minutes. Yeah, the, and the yeah, goal itself not good defending again. No, and Liam Moore again has to look at himself. I thought the way he sort of not cowered from a challenge because it, it, there was an attempt to do something with it. But, you know, when you've been coming out all week and you've been saying, you know, we need to fight back from this deduction, you, you, we need to do it. And then within four minutes, you see it, you see that and you think, this could be a long afternoon. But credit to Liam Moore, he, he did pick himself up and obviously made an important clearance later in the game. But I did think, yeah, in the first... I remember the first 25 minutes, I, I just sat there and thought, I feels like I've been here for about two hours. And I only got into the ground five minutes before kickoff. It just felt like the passing from both teams was just so poor. It was just such a... I felt in the first yeah half an hour, the quality of the game was just dreadful. I mean, it was just the cheap passes that were being given away. But having said that, I thought the second half did actually make up for it because I thought the second half was a very entertaining game. And um, I thought both teams definitely picked it up. And I guess they needed to, Matt, after that opener from uh, Zinkenagel because Reading, I mean, they kind of just parted when Zinkenagel ran at them. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird one, right? Like, I, I agree that Liam Moore wasn't good on the goal and I think he's going to get most of the stick. But equally, uh, like Yeardom and Drinkwater try and tackle Zinkenagel in midfield and then let him run free. Um, which is why he's allowed to run it more in the first place. Um, Moore does this thing sometimes where he's going one way and the the guy can cut inside of him far too easily. Like uh, it happened at Huddersfield as well. And it, I think it's it's sort of to do with his body weight, right? He, like Alex, you talk about it a lot. He kind of dangles out a leg. Um, if if he doesn't dangle out a leg, I think that there'd be a le- lot less criticism on him though. Like because. I'm not sure it's his fault to deal with to begin with. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he's going to get... I mean, if he doesn't put out a leg, he's probably going to get beaten anyway, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. And then also, like, you do have to look at Scott Dan because he does... I think it's grab and running across him. It's not, you know, it's sort of difficult. But he, if, if, if Liam Moore and Scott Dan swap places and Liam Moore kind of goes to block a shot that doesn't happen and then gets the ball gets curled into the other corner, I think there would also be people screaming bloody murder about that. So I think we should do the same thing when Scott Dan's involved. I think... So it's a team failure, I think. It, we shouldn't just highlight Liam Moore because, yes, he was bad in that moment, but a lot of other players were also bad. I do agree. And just, just one thing, actually, to add to that. I wouldn't have even minded seeing if it's if you're in the fourth minute of a game. If a player's 35, 40 yards from goal as he starts his run and, and there's an opportunity, just give him a shoulder barge. Just put him to the floor. If it looks like he's going to burst free and into space, you may get a booking that early on. I would say it's probably quite unlikely if it's not, you know, you're not going in and making a slide tackle from behind. If you're just giving him a little nudge, if possible, you might get away. Give it an opportunity to regroup. I think you just need to be a bit smarter in that circumstance. Yeah, I mean, it was only, what, four minutes in. So if you, 
if if the referee is going to book you at that point, then that's unfortunate. But um, yeah. it's yeah, one nil down after four minutes. It's not really where anybody wanted to see Reading yesterday, and uh, it was another game when we looked like we were going to have to come back from behind. And the last few years have been just pretty awful for that uh, measure. We we really struggled to come back from behind, despite the fact that we did come back from behind against Birmingham in our last game out. That was, I think, the first time in maybe a year that we've done that. So it did feel like it was going to be a long afternoon after four minutes. Uh, the first, the rest of the first half, Reading played better, Matt, I think. Um, there was definitely some positives to take out of it. Tom Holmes was especially kind of a standout player. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, that was I thought you were being called MJ, Matt. Oh, no, I've got the bats confused. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, mate, this too podcast is going to be an absolute disaster. Alex just giggling away like I you said. I shouldn't have got I'll tell yeah. you what, I'll mute myself until I, I hear a definitive MJ. <laughs> uh, well, you can take this one, MJ. Go for it. I, I, we can both do it, but I'll, I'll jump in quickly because I'm sure, to be fair, I'm sure, Matt, we, we would have the same sort of points. I think we both thought, I think, that Tom Holmes, especially in that first half, was really good. I think he had a lot of a lot of attention down that side and I think there was a number of one-on-ones that he won with strong challenges that got that gave the Reading fans, especially in Club 1871, where those tackles were normally being made in front of, it gave them something to cheer about because in the first half there weren't huge amounts of sort of, you know, goal mouth, goal mouth opportunities. So it was it was something just to get behind the team. I think we saw as well, as a result of how well Tom Holmes was playing, I, I, I noticed a lot of, you know, switches out to the other wing. Um, and I think that was too easy to be. It was too easy that they uh, Forest could do that. But I think they maybe had the idea of okay, we're not having much luck here. Let's let's try something else. Yeah, and I mean, I would say like on the whole, coming in at half time, I thought that Reading were very much in the game. Like I didn't think that Forest were getting away from us. Um, we we had a lot of action on the edge of their box, but without any way to kind of penetrate. Um, and as someone who was sceptical about Andy Carroll going into the game, it felt very much like a game like built for Andy Carroll at that point, um, which is funny because it changed a little bit in the second half. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there were a couple of chances, Alex. Um, yeah, Puskas so, had another one, didn't he? Yeah, Puskas had one. Um, I mean, just before that, a half an hour in or so, we had our first proper chance of the game. Uh Babaraman had our first shot on target from 20 yards. And as you say, we we did struggle to get the ball into the area and actually kind of create chances in the area. Um, and that one came from, what, 20 yards out or so. I think he's going to score one of these at some point. Uh, like, he's had a couple of them now, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, this one was closer than his one in the second half that went out for a throw-in. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is a very clean striker of the ball. Um, and... As you say, like one of them will probably go in at some point, but it, it was a comfortable save. Um, I think Drinkwater also had a chance kind of a little bit earlier on where um, Yeardom down the right opened up a bit of space and then a- was able to cut it back for him. And um, it, Drinkwater just kind of passed it out Samba, um, but kind of ri- like ricocheted around the box a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I think that was the change between this first half and other first halves this season is that I, yeah, I didn't feel we were overwhelmed. I felt like we were on the front foot and had chances, which is unusual for a Reading team currently. 
And um, yeah, yeah, second half, I thought that if anything, we were probably going to push on and, and, and look even better. And we did have one more chance before the uh, halftime break. And it was probably the biggest chance of the half, MJ, uh, falling to Puskas. What was he, eight, nine yards out, I think? Um, finds himself pretty alone in the area. And again, this is one which you can maybe add to the Puskas shot reel from this season. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think with Puskas, you've got to look at... I think there's one thing that I think Reading fans may be a bit harsh on him is um, his... Sometimes how isolated he is when he's, you know, as we said before, um, the the pod, you know, where it's chipped up into the into the uh, channels, and he has to try and work for. It. I think that's when the criticism's a bit unfair. However, I think the criticism's completely just when you have a player who I think it's. I certainly don't want to blame you know Pushkas's price tag, and you know you look at all the issues going on off the field. But you think it's a big gamble. You expect a player to put those on target, you know, and pass the keeper. And look at some of the chances he's had this this season. It's just not been good enough in that final third in front of goal. And again, that was another example of whether it's a lack of confidence. I mean, you can't make that many excuses because if you had missed a, a great number of opportunities that other players would would score in this division, that's not good enough, simple as. But I think we're, we're going to go on to it. I thought the area, like I said, that he has got stick for, which is his hold-up play sometimes and his movement, I thought in the second half, it was a lot, lot better thanks to Andy Carroll. So I think although the miss was very, very poor, I thought he actually looked quite good after the break. So I sort of wanted to caveat that with that. Well, one thing I would say about that miss is, and a lot of Puskas misses this season, um, is that, and I, I have declared myself as Puskas lone fan before on this podcast, or, or maybe not fan, but like they all feel like chances that like they're, they're and people call them big chances, and I, I completely agree. Like in the scheme of football, they are big chances. Like uh, yesterday, I thought that um, Samba came out really well and, and smothered the, that shot. And Puskas never really, if he'd got there earlier, he might have had a bigger chance. But it, they're all chances that if he was scoring goals, I think you'd forgive him for some of them. But the problem, as Matt kind of says, is is that he he doesn't have goals to to fall back on, and he needs to start putting some in the back of the net because otherwise. It is a you know it is the case that you need your striker to score goals, otherwise it's a bit, you know, he's not really doing his job. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. If if you've got any kind of record to fall back on this season, one, two goals, like you can fall back on it and at least say, okay, well he didn't score this time, but he he can score. But But once you go nineteen, what is it, nineteen, twenty matches now without scoring, it's. Yeah, but but so but how many? And this is the other thing, and and comes back to how we were playing to him. It, he hasn't had big chances in every game. No. But the problem is when he takes when he has big chances, he's not been taking them. Like yeah, it it kind of it feels like he gets one chance every two or three matches rather than getting two or three chances every match. Yeah, I would also say that I think his although he doesn't have a goal to fall back on, I think just if you take yesterday's game in isolation, I think he had, his second half performance was good enough to fall back on for the mistake, if that makes sense. Because as yeah. I think his link-up play with Andy Carroll was really, really good. I thought Reading looked really bright. I think a lot of the opportunities, his pressing was brilliant. I remember at one point in about the 80th minute, I think he forced Sandburn to put it out for a throw. I could be mistaken, mm-hmm. but it was something along those lines. And it, it was brilliant. So I think that 
if, if the whole season, no, it's not been good enough, and he's, um, you know, far, he, he costs far too much to not be scoring the opportunities that he's had. But in yesterday's game, I thought his work rate was fantastic, and I thought actually what he did in the second half made up for that miss. Shortly after halftime, the probably the biggest chance of the game fell to Lewis Graben, or at least one of the biggest chances of the game. Um, Lewis Graben seems to have, you know, four big chances of the game, and it, most of them he can, uh, most of them he can probably consider himself uh, fairly unfortunate not to have scored yesterday, Matt, because. The chance just after half time with Liam Moore blocking it on the line, I'm not really sure how Forrest haven't scored. No, it's ridiculous, right? And um, he does have other players coming into the box at the same time. But to be fair to Graben, once you've rounded the keeper, I think you're expecting to score yourself. Like Lewis Graben was awfully selfish yesterday, um, as he kind of always is. But I'm not sure that I put this one down to that. Um, this is also another situation where you kind of have to look at Scott Dan. He got absolutely rinsed against the touchline and um, allows the situation to develop. Um, Liam Moore does well, but equally... It, what Liam Moore actually did well in that situation is, yes, he fell back onto the line, which he always does, but he got players in the, in the right positions to also cover the men that were coming. Because sometimes he doesn't do that. He drops back and then it's still an easy tap-in for someone, which it would have been yesterday had Graben passed it, but that's not not the point. Um, but yeah, I think that Forrest will have felt unlucky not to go 10 up. And as I say, I, yes, Graben should have scored. Yes, Graben probably should have passed. But I think a lot of that is is hindsight after you don't put the ball in the back of the net. And I guess that is Lewis Graben as a player, as we've yeah, 100%. experienced as, as Reading fans. It's not that surprising, potentially. Uh, MJ, the big change in the game uh, was Andy Carroll coming on. There's multiple strands to this. So let's start. Andy Carroll coming on for Liam Moore. Is this a sub that you would have expected to see from Paunovic? No, but it's one I'm happy I saw because I thought it just showed that Panovic was willing to go for a plan B, which I think he's been blamed previously for not doing. Um, so I thought it was a yeah, brave change. I thought it showed intent and I thought, yeah, good on him for doing it. And I think it worked. I was, <clears throat> I think what I was really happy with, obviously the intentions were clear that every ball was being lumped to the back stick for Andy Carroll to try and win the header. Which is fine by me because he won a couple of headers and I, you know obviously the crowd were up for it. I thought the atmosphere for about a twenty minute spell in that second half. I thought the atmosphere was actually brilliant, really, really, really good. And as a result, I think just because you saw Carroll win a few headers, I, I noticed, and this might be me clutching at straws or me thinking overthinking it because I have a an immediate love for Andy Carroll, but I just felt like I noticed a few of the Forest defenders. You know, when they were going up headers against George Puskas, didn't look like they were going with the same sort of "I'm going to win this" attitude. They, the, whether they cowered a little bit or whether they were a bit not intimidated by the you know the atmosphere, but maybe or maybe you know it just revved the Reading players up. I just noticed that boost it gave them, just in that physical sense, to win a header, to win a one-on-one, to win a 50-50 challenge. I thought Reading were winning a lot more of those after Andy Carroll came on and you know even when it wasn't him winning the ball it was just that whole boost that gave the ground I thought was brilliant and I, I thought that as a result of Carroll being the one that the long balls were being played to 
Pushkas could then make some runs off it. I thought Pushkas looked better as, as a result. And I would I would be very, very, very happy to see those two um, starting the next game alongside each other. We did have a bit of an instant impact as well. Uh, I mean, it, there was 20 minutes worth of, yeah, as you say, in, increased, I guess, intensity within the ground. Um, but it only took three minutes after the sub map for Andy Carroll to make an impact. Um, winning, winning the well, winning the knockdown, which led to the corner for the equaliser. Yeah, and um, Reading don't cross the ball, and that's a general rule. Um, but clearly, we did change the way we played into Andy Carroll. Um, one of the nice things, actually, just generally, is that we didn't actually go route one the whole time. Like Andy Carroll, yes, gave us a different option, but we used that option quite sparingly, which opened up other areas of the pitch. But yeah, I think it was Yeardon put in like kind of quite a nice floated ball, and obviously Andy Carroll doing Andy Carroll things. He, he wins a header, knocks it down to Swift, who, had he sorted his feet out a little bit quicker, might have scored then and there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, win a corner from it. Absolute 4D chess to put in a ball along the floor when you've got Scott Dan and, and Andy Carroll in the box. And uh, Scott Dan just kind of guides it past all the defenders. It, it's, it, was, it was such an understated goal in some ways. Like, Along the floor, Scott Dan does not leather it. He just passes it into the area where there isn't anyone defending. And it was, I, I'm, I'm still not convinced that John Swift didn't miss kick the, the corner. But if even if he did, it, it worked pretty well. It, it almost felt like instant reaction from Scott Dan. I'm not quite sure he was, that was the plan or that was what he was expecting, as you say, because it didn't feel like, you know, I feel like if you were going to do that, you're, you're going to try and leather it and, and really just smash it towards the goal. But he didn't really seem to do that. He just seemed to kind of like side foot the ball and well, he's a very classy defender. From where I was sat in eighteen seventy one, I was in a perfect diagonal angle with the ball. So it looked incredibly aesthetically pleasing as it sort of just slowly just drifted towards the line. So from where I was, it was lovely. But just going very quickly back to what Matt said about the crosses, it was so nice to see a cross either not being headed away by three men because George Pushkas couldn't couldn't out-jump a six-foot-five defender, obviously. And it was so nice not to see a low ball being cleared out of the front post. To see a deep cross being won by a, someone in a blue and white shirt was so refreshing because it just feels like so long since we've consistently seen that. I couldn't tell you the last time we won a, like a knockdown in the area and set yeah. up another shot. But well, a cross of any kind. Like, like I just... Yeah. Somebody asked about um, when the last... Like, how good year Dom is at crossing. And... I just could not think of a year on cross. Like it was impossible to like I do not remember the last time he put one in. Yes, Barbara Rahman puts in a few, but like actual reading players. I just I'll tell you happen. who probably put in the most dangerous cross yesterday, which nobody got on the end of, was Andy Carroll. Mm. Yes. That was that, that was like the time when I was like, this guy has quality, because he absolutely leathered that. Like that, I <laughs> it was it an was incredibly good cross. It was so honestly. I don't remember the last time I saw a cross with that much venom on it. It was so yeah. that, and that's what I mean about the intensity he gave. He just looked like everything was done with a bit more power, a bit more, just a bit more. You know, going to the old fashioned but grit, and it was just it was nice to see that. And I think you know the fans responded to that. And if Reading are going to be you know a difficult situation financially off the pitch, if you see more committed you know, stages like we saw then, I think it can only serve Reading good and hopefully Andy Carroll can be at the forefront of that. 
Yeah, one, one thing I would say, um, and hopefully this leads on quite well, so you, you can use this as a link, Alex, just as a tip, um, is that um, the we changed formation when Andy Carroll came on, obviously, to play two up top, but we also pushed a lot more players forward. So we kind of had the back four, um, even with the fullbacks pushing on, and then we had Josh Laurent in front of them, who had to do absolutely everything defensively. And occasionally that led to some quite large holes at the back, um, which, again, on a better day, like, it's funny because I, I think we all agree that Reading played a lot better in the second half. But I also think that Forrest should have won the game about three times with with chances that they had. Um, so I think Reading will improve going on in the season. But I also think that they're like, we won't be playing this formation um, too often without more cover. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think the the option you've only you've only really got Josh Lauren at the moment as an option for that like defensive midfield spot. And as you say, he was doing nearly everything. He covered ba- um, Babaraman in the second half an awful lot at the start of the second half. Uh, the the chance which Forrest then had after Andy Carroll came on from um, Lewis Graben. Again, this is another one, MJ, where. I, I, Really, I'm very surprised they haven't scored. And as Matt said, it feels like another chance where Forrest probably should have won the game there. Yeah, and it was one of those chances where at the time I thought, oh, this is going to be one that you're going to look back on when Reading get an 86th minute win it. And you say, oh, you know, it was it was meant to be from this moment. Obviously, it didn't quite pan out just like that. But yeah, they, they should have scored. And I think Matt makes a fair point. I think Forrest, I, as I said, off, off pod before we started recording, I couldn't quite work out whether... Because Forrest, you know, they've been in good form under the, the new boss and they, they do look a, like they, they could be a decent team in the division. I don't know whether they were a bit lackadaisical, whether they didn't take Reading seriously enough, whether they were a bit lazy, whether or whether they were a bit poor, or whether it was a bit of everything. Because I thought at moments they, they looked quite sharp, especially going forward, but then there were stages that they didn't. But then, you know, Graben gets that opportunity and you think they need to be clinical if they're you know, serious about their aspirations, and obviously he wasn't. But as you as you alluded to earlier, it, not a man who, who likes to pull the pass the ball massively. But conversely, you could say that you know, if George Puskas had an opportunity, he took it around three players and then smashed it into the back of the net. You'd say, you know, how brave was that? So I think it's one of those. It, it, it's it's one of those old football adages. It's a bit like my pet hating football when a, a penalty is taken, they send the keeper the wrong way, but they roll it down the middle and they say it's a great penalty. It's like, They'd stayed still, it's not. So it's like, it depends how the situation pans out, if that makes sense. But yeah, obviously, maybe Reading got, got let off one there. But Reading, I think, could have had a number number more opportunities if the referee had made uh, different calls. So I think that, that the, may be a factor that might have needed to be added in. Yeah, the referee in the last 15 or 20 minutes of that game was... Not good. I think the I whole time, whole game, he was he was giving grab and fouls for stuff that just weren't. Uh, like I actually think we kind of got away with some because Danny Drinkwater was flying in some challenges. Like on another day, he definitely could have picked up two yellows. But yeah, referee was. was I think poor, Reading, I felt. Reading got away with a lot in the middle third, uh, whereas Forest got away with a lot in their or in you know in their third because I thought Reading could have had at least four or five free kicks where the ball would have been delivered into the box. So you say that, you know, Forrest had two or three good chances. I know you. this is all hypothetical and we'll never know. 
I think a lot of Reading's good attacks and good opportunities to build a chance were cut short and then they weren't punished. The worst one being, the, um, and I'm fairly certain everybody will probably agree with this listening, the worst one being the, the Babaraman yellow card because from where I'm sat and the replays that I've seen of it, it's probably one of the best tackles I've seen in all season. I have yeah. no idea how the referee's given a yellow card. Well, some, somebody on Twitter said, like, how is he given that as a free kick? And I just knew exactly what they were talking about. You know, like, that's, that's how bad that decision was. It was just it, it, ludicrous. Like, I, I thought he was going to send him off. And, like, in some ways, if he'd sent him off, I almost could have understood it more than a yellow card. Because, he again, he sort of dived into it. But to, to give a foul and a yellow makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think I agreed purely because he was the last man, wasn't he? Mm. Um, I, well, he might not have been completely the last man, but it felt like he was. If if you know, if Babo had been beaten there, I don't know which Forest player it was, but if he'd been beaten, then he would have been thrown goal from thirty yards out, and I could have understood a red card. Yeah, even though it was never a red card challenge, at least I could have understood what the referee's logic was. I would have said that even though obviously it was different because it wasn't penalties, but I would say that those individual refereeing mistakes were worse than. The mistakes made by the referee, who I can't remember the name of, against Sheffield Wednesday last season. I think the Ooh, referee. That's a big call. Was I think the performance was that I know that it won't look as bad because it wasn't penalties, but the actual like the amount of decisions that were made wrong and how glaringly obvious some of them were. I actually think that might have been worse. It was, and I don't like to always blame the referees because I do think it does come around and sometimes Reading will get a bit lucky with refs, and that's happened many a time, and I will always admit that when I think that's the case but I do think yesterday was hysterically terrible I don't I don't think we can uh, I don't think we can quite quite go that far like Oliver Langford I'm 90% certain is a banned phrase on this podcast it might get beeped out I'm not know, sure because that was that was yeah three or four penalty decisions admittedly were all terrible but the amount of decisions that even little ones yesterday that were I mean there was once I think it was a tackle Drinkwater made he went steaming in in front of the um in front of the benches, I know you're thinking, my word, he's going to be up. Is he? But like, you can't even tell it. Just the referee <laughs> was, and the, but then he was rushing over when you know it was a case of grappling. It was com- just bizarre. Despite the fact that the referee was poor, Matt, the last ten minutes, I don't think there was really many big chances in the last ten minutes. Despite how open the game felt. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think the last big chance i can't remember how long it was from the end was um like forest having a cut back and garner missing it and then grabbing being grabbing trying to run all the way around the box um when he definitely should have passed that time but there was the southwood southwood made a good stop late on very late southwood did make a good stop yeah all of these are forest chances which kind of comes back to my point earlier yeah um but yeah i think I, i do and and conversely to that, I I also never fully felt under threat. Like it's such a being a football fan is weird, isn't it? It's bit, it's all kind of it's all feelings and vibes. And sometimes you'll you'll come away from a game where you definitely should have lost, feeling pretty happy about it, and other times you won't. Um, yeah, I I felt like we actually managed the game okay in some ways, um, despite the fact that as we've clearly seen in the last 30 minutes we also didn't um but yeah the the thing that i kind of and we've touched on this like and yes last 10 minutes but but the whole second half uh, of the last 30 minutes when carol came on um what what he really did well is opened up space for others and then i think that reading 
managed that space really well and and didn't let Forrest get the ball back. And and that's why I think it felt like we were in control of the game so much because this is the first game I remember where Reading dominated possession. Like, I don't remember another game like that in, in recent history. Um, I'm sure that it will be last week or something, but, well, pro- probably not last week, but... Um, but yeah, so so we just were able to recycle the ball really well. And and this is, again, where Tom Holmes comes into it because the number of times that Tom Holmes had the ball and just sort of shimmied past Graben to keep it rather than punning it downfield or something was refreshing, right? Like, I I don't think he'll come in for more, like permanently, because clearly Moore is club captain and whatnot. But equally, I would not be upset to see a Dan Holmes partnership with that with the passing that they have and the composure on the ball, because I think that that probably is something that Liam Moore lacks. And and that was really beneficial towards the end of that second half. So you say that we won't see Tom Holmes come in for Liam Moore, Matt, but will Tom Holmes start instead of Liam Moore on Tuesday night at home? It's a good question. Who knows? Uh, I mean, Liam Moore has obviously done a, a lot of traveling in the last two weeks, which I think came into uh, Panovic's decision-making um, about taking him off. And also, like, yes, he he was at fault for the first goal when he was on a yellow card as well. Um, I personally wonder whether it was a change that they kind of always had in mind, given those air miles and whatnot. Um, somebody was going to have to come off for Carroll, uh, after all. Um, I, I think Moore will still start. Like, Moore, to me, seems to be a player that Want, well, I mean, all players want to start every game, don't they? But I don't think he would be particularly happy being left on the bench. He he is club captain at the end of the day. And I think that that earns you the right to start games. That's a bit of an old-fashioned view in some ways. But you, you kind of... If you're going to start dropping him, then that raises other questions, which I think at the minute probably don't want to be answered. Yeah, I think I can, I can definitely understand where you're coming from with that one. If it was a... I think if there was a case to be made for him to be dropped uh, and, and put on the bench, it probably isn't during the middle of a injury-ridden season where we don't really have that many options, unfortunately. Um, well, the, the only other thing is that you probably still want to keep Yeardom at right wing and and therefore Holmes probably has to play at right back. That's you know, So I, I would probably expect to see... I, think an unchanged team because Carroll probably won't be playing two games in in three days um that my guess yeah so my guess would be an unchanged team for Tuesday uh MJ I know that you would love to see Carroll start on Tuesday um being you know number one member of the Andy Carroll fan club I thought that was Paul (laughs) I, I don't honestly I don't know what I'm basing this on I think it's just the first time that in a while the sun's coming you just thought that's just quite fun, if nothing else. You just look at it and you just think, I'm going to enjoy watching. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching Andy. As, as, you know, I think players like Junior Hoyle in the summer, he's a sensible signing, he's added depth, and I think he's, he's been a solid player for the club. But I don't really go for, to go to the stadium and think, I can't wait to watch Junior Hoyle perform today. No offence to him, very lovely bloke, very, very, very lovely bloke. I met him, or I've chatted to him, great guy. But he just doesn't have that, he's not an old, you know, he's not a former England international. He's not a former... 
However, no, he's a current Canadian international, and you should put some respect on that. Yeah, he's not. He, he didn't. He wasn't involved in essentially a swap deal with you know well, not a swap deal a transfer saga with Fernando Torres, who's arguably the you know the hottest striker in the world at that time. I think Junior Hoylet would understand why it's a bit more exciting, and I just think it's just a bit. It's just like I said it, when he, when the signing was announced, I just had, I just thought it was quite funny. I thought well, oh, I, that's good. That'll be. Fine. I'm in, I'm going to look forward to, that. and that's what football's all about. My, my funny, like the funny thing that about that signing to me is that Paolo said last night that Scott Dan basically convinced him to come, and it does feel like you when you bring your mate down to five aside because you're short on numbers. And that's we, why I like it. It's just uh, Andy Andy Carroll is he's probably the best ringer we could get, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is that's how it always is, isn't it? Your your mate is always the best player anyway. So you know, as I, as the, if he stays fit, like. It'll be like I already think that he's shown why we've brought him in. So, oh, yeah. you know, if he, we get half an hour a game out of him, I'd be pretty happy to be honest. I would be if he if he gave us half an hour every game and scored two goals, but he gave performances like he gave yesterday, which were committed. They had flashes of skill and they helped the team. That's all I'm asking for, and I would you know wish it. And then if in January you know he left, I would wish him all the best and nothing but success. I hope that he doesn't leave in January if we do get performances like that every week because you can only see Reading rising the table if we get performances like that from him. We could do with another one on Tuesday night, MJ. Uh, Sheffield United at home. Sheffield United this season, we'll do a quick couple of minutes on them. Not been very good under um, Slavisi Kanovic. They didn't win yesterday again. Drew against Coventry at home. And at the minute, they're only a couple of points above us in the table. And I think we could actually go above them if we beat them. Yeah, strange one, really. Because I, I, I thought I didn't think they would look as good as Bournemouth. I thought I, I did think before the season, I thought we had Bournemouth and Fulham for me and West Brom. They were the three obvious teams to look at. Um, but you would have thought, I was thinking at Sheffield United, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts. And yeah, they haven't really been. I mean, they just... I feel very, very sorry for them because, as a club, because obviously they had that brilliant first season and then the, the pandemic hit. And, you know, fans have been waiting so long to get into that position. It, it, you, know, you know, Reading fans had obviously waited longer in 2006 7, you know, when Reading got up. But when we had that brilliant first campaign for the first time after a long, long wait, obviously, like I said, Reading's fans waited longer. But can you imagine that second season that it would be behind closed doors and Reading were losing every week? It would have just. I, I understand why it would have just sucked the energy out of the club because with clubs like you know West Brom, they're up and down every year. Fulham are up and down every year. Fans know what it's like, so I I get why the you know it's flat. A popular manager's left. I, I think there's quality in the squad, but there's probably a lot of players who are on too much money for their performances. So it's just probably quite a. It needs a needs a spring clean that club. It just needs something to reinvigorate it because I can understand why it's probably. A bit of a yeah, a bit of a miserable place at the moment, and hopefully Reading can capitalise on that because I think the momentum will probably be in Reading's favour. I think a win and a draw out of the last two games, I'd have probably snatched your hand off if you'd offered me that before the Birmingham game. So, yeah, why not? And Matt, what do you what do you reckon to Tuesday night? Do you reckon we can take down Sheffield United? Oh, I'm never confident, but um... this is true. <laughs> Um, I, th- I think there's no reason why we can't. Um, but equally, 
I also expect most teams to turn up at the Medeski and 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 uh, fight for, you know, a draw. I guess I, I reckon a, a draw is probably. I, I actually got this result right from the preview. I said it would be one-one, and I kind of have a feeling that Tuesday might be something quite similar. Um, Reading are still going to have a problem with playing ninety minutes when they don't have many fit senior substitutes, um, and also you know, playing three times in a week, which is what this week is going to be. So it's, it, I think, it, yes, this was a good result and 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 should be treated as such. Um, but I don't think that we're necessarily out of choppy waters just yet until we get some of the other players back too. I'll note you down for a 1-1. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll be back on Wednesday after the Sheffield United game. So uh, yeah, make sure you join us then. Hopefully it won't be uh, spoils shared then and Reading will have picked up three points. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. <laughs>